Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. It's wonderful to be able to share with you today about why Jesus came and this story of the God who, who doesn't give up. Last year was the first year we decided to put Christmas lights on the outside of our house. And so I don't know if you've had this experience, but we designed how it should look. And we went to the store and we got what we thought we needed. And then we went to the store and we got what we didn't realize we needed. Uh, and then we, we went to the store and we got the stuff we've, we really, really didn't realize we needed. And, and we, we finally had everything. And as it goes, when you have time, when you're off work, uh, when uh, you have all the resources you need to put the lights up, the weather is horrible right? So it, it was a cold day, but I had the plan and we were going to get them up and it was, it was going to go quickly. And here we go. And I'm out there and everything's going according to plan. This is going to be great. And I get to the toughest part where I have to be on the highest rung of our highest ladder uh, to get it. And this is, this is going to be the crowning achievement of the Christmas lights. And, and, and I get to the top rung of the ladder and I begin to stretch out my hand and I realize I'm going to have to get up on my tiptoes and my rational brain kicks in and it's like no right no don't do that you can probably do that don't do that it's not worth it so I come back down and about half an hour goes by and I'm sitting out in the cold by myself in the driveway staring at the roof and my kids come out and they're like, Dad, you said you'd be done. You said, you know, we, we were going to go do this. What, what are you doing out here? I said, I'm figuring. I'm figuring. <laughs> well, another hour goes by. Kids go inside. They play. They come back outside. I'm out there. I don't think I have a jacket on. I'm just staring at the roof. All right, Dad, what are you doing? I'm figuring. Figuring. Nothing. Another hour goes by. They come outside. They're like, Dad, we're not going to be able to go do anything today. And I point to the roof and I say, see, I figured, I figured it's up, it's up. Why was it so important, right? Why is that so important that, that we have Christmas lights? We, we kind of know, right? But that, that's for our houses, we, we like the way it looks. But the question we're really asking today is, why is it so important uh, that we have the light of Christmas? that we have Jesus Christ, the light of our, the world in, in our lives. That's what we're going to be asking. And that's a question we need to answer, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. So I really want to encourage you this Christmas, if you do nothing else for yourself, give yourself the Christmas gift of daily scripture reading. We've got a daily reading plan that goes right along with these messages. You can uh, find the Advent reading plan at our information center in the lobby. You can get it online at concordunited.org slash Bible with a daily devotion that's going to help you not just read the scriptures but pray through them. I think it's going to help us uh, connect to Jesus Christ and understand what it means that his light is in the world. In 1998, a man named Jay Rodriguez, he was a teenager at the time, he was attending the United States military uh, prep school in 
Newport, Rhode Island. And there he was given an assignment that he was in charge for his platoon of coming up with a cheer or a chant that would be the official cheer of the platoon for that year. And he came up with one. He taught it to the other members of his platoon. And then it became so popular that the next year he was admitted into the United States Naval Academy. He taught it to some of his friends. They taught it to others. And that year, the national TV broadcast of the Army-Navy football game caught uh, the Naval students in the stand or cadets in the stands and they were they were doing this cheer and it came into the national conscience uh, move forward a few years by 2014 during the world cup it became the most frequent cheer for the united states men's national team and it, it's gone on and, and spread across the country and and across the world uh, and it's, it's basically this it's somebody gets up and they yell I and somebody else yells I and it's I I believe I believe that I believe that we will win and it ends uh, at the end when the when you chant I believe that we will win everybody's just jumping up and down together screaming it and chanting it together in fact most recently I saw this cheer at a Farragut middle school basketball game and the, the students were going crazy, jumping up and down, chanting, I believe that we will win. I do want to point out that what's so powerful about this, it's it's believe, right? I believe, I have faith, we're going to do this. Now, Farragut Middle Schoolers, you didn't do the chant until Farragut was ahead by 15 with one minute left. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you really believed or if you're just good at math. But what's so powerful is that I believe. That's the question we're asking today. Do you believe that good will win? Do you really believe that in your daily life? Because so much of the time we focus on things that aren't going how we think they should, things in our personal lives, things in the world. But do you believe that good's winning? Do you believe that light is greater than darkness? Do you believe that not only has the darkness not yet put out the light, but it never will, and one day there will only be light? Remember in the Bible, the description of heaven is there's no night. There's no more night in heaven. The light, the light wins. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in the way you live your daily life? Not just what you say when, when you come to church. I want to share with you what the Bible says about that. It's John's description of creation and the Christmas story. Because in the Gospel of John, you can't separate the act of creation and the Christmas story because they're the same thing. They're God being up to the exact same thing. This is from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. That's 
what, what we're told, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And th this Word was Jesus, and this Jesus was the light of the world that was coming into the world to, to show the world life as, as it really is. And what we find in Jesus is that what Jesus does when you meet Jesus is normally you've been walking through life and you've been thinking about life was about that life was about certain things. You've been thinking that it was about what you could accomplish. You've been thinking about it was what you could acquire. You could, were thinking about it was what you'd be able to do. And suddenly you realize that all those things are nice and they're well and they're good, but it's about something completely different. Uh, that this life is about... Uh, this God whose love we can't earn, uh, who gives us unconditional love unconditionally. And that life is about giving that back. Uh, you hear Jesus say, I came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, you hear him say, if you want to be first, you have to be last. And at first it sounds so counterintuitive. And then you get to know him and then you experience his forgiveness and his grace. And you say, yes, that is the greatest thing that there, there could ever be. Light enables life just as Jesus the light of the world enables true life enables us to see life for what it's really supposed to be I've got some friends and they worked in their college years at Camp Wesley Woods as counselors some of you have been to Camp Wesley Woods it's one of the greatest places on earth uh, by the way kids they're about to start registration for summer camp in the new year so start pestering your parents now uh, to to get you signed up. I'll be there as a chaplain. I'd love to, to spend that time with you. Uh, but they began talking. They said, you know, we went to Wesley Woods and they said, at Wesley Woods, we, we, we as staff, we, we had to deal with stuff like paperwork and, and all that other stuff. But the focus the whole time we were there uh, was we're creating a Christian community where we're all going to treat each other uh, the way we think Jesus treats us. And they said, then uh, we went on and we graduated and uh, we went out into the real world with real jobs. And they said, we still in our 40s sit around at night and we say, hey, what's really real? Is it what we call the real world and real jobs? Or it was what we experienced back then, was, was that somehow more real? Was that somehow more the real life of where we were in a community that was all, we were all focused on treat everybody like Jesus would have, have you. And they said, we still think that was, that was more real. This thing we call the real world, it's pretend. What's really real is the love of Christ and, and sharing it with, with each other. What, what happened was uh, through Jesus, they, they found this, what life really was, right? The, the light, light, you can't have life without light. Every bit of life on the, our earth, even, light, even life in the depths of the ocean where light waves are not visible is dependent upon light. That's where it all comes from. A couple years ago, uh, a, a well-known, uh, extremely wealthy white male actor was able to pay his way in order to get on a private rocket and go right up to the edge of space. And uh, many of you might think, why, why do we care about that, right? Why do we care about that? This is some rich person uh, who hit the lottery in, in their profession, uh, and they're privileged enough to, get, to go have an experience that very few humans uh, in history will ever be able to have. And you would be right in that, except for who that actor was. His name was William Shatner. And uh, some of you, if you were born after the 1980s, you might know William Shatner as the announcer 
in miscongeniality. You might know William Shatner as uh, the flamboyant uh, and rarely logical lawyer, lawyer David E. Kelly from The Practice and Boston Legal. But if you were born before 1980, you know, that is not William Shatner. That is not David E. Kelly. That is not an announcer. That is Captain Kirk. That is who that is. And it is absolutely right and well and good and in line with God's intention for the world that Captain Kirk get to go to space. We all know that. Okay? That's just how it is. Well, he got up there and came back down and they immediately had an interview crew that was there to interview him when he came down. I was really interested in in what Captain Kirk would have to say when he he got down from space. And he talked about what he guessed it would be like. And he was actually, I think in his 90s when he he got up there, and he said, I thought I would just be overwhelmed by the beauty. He said, I I thought as you just saw, I thought you'd see the stars more clearly and and the beauty of it all. He said, "I, I thought it would just be beyond what words could say. And he said, it wasn't like that at all. He said, I looked out into the vast expanse of space and I just saw darkness and coldness and death. And I saw how inhospitable this universe is to life. And he said, it it was one of the scariest and most ominous feelings I'd ever had. He said, and then I turned my gaze from the window that looked out into space to the window that looked back at the earth. And I saw this blue-green sphere of life. And he said, I have never seen anything so precious and so beautiful. Because I knew that in the the billions of light years of, of space, that is the only place that life can take place, that we know of where life can take place. And even scientists postulate that there are other planets in the Cinderella zone where life could happen. Funny thing is, they can't find any right? He's like, that's the only place. And when he came back, he said, I have so much of a more appreciation for this earth and those of us on it and one another and how amazing it is that we're alive at all. What what he did was he he went to space and he looked back and and he saw what he couldn't see when, when he was here on earth this life, what, what it really was, how amazing it really was, that's kind of the experience of seeing Jesus. You, you've been looking at all these other things and then you see Jesus and you say, how precious, how precious. That's, that's what it's really all about because Jesus is the light of the world. He enables true life. And not just that, but as the light of the world We know that light enables us to see things as they are. Jesus enables us to see life as it is. As as it is. Not as we pretend it is, but as life really is. Uh, Listen to these words from John. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. You can walk through the world and Jesus can be all around you and God can be showering down his blessings upon you and you can never know it. That happened to a lot of people who walked right by Jesus in their lifetime and didn't think a thing of him. Or you can see it. 
or, or, or you can see, you know, uh, if I could go and uh, interview a fish, and I haven't spent a lot of time trying, um, but if I could, do you know what question I'd like to ask? How's the water? Right? That's the question I'd like to ask the fish because I have a guess. I have a guess that what the fish would say back to me is, what water? Right? What water? How do you know what water is if you don't know what air is? Right? How do you know what water is if you've never been, been outside of it? They swim in water. They probably don't even realize they swim in water. A lot of us, Jesus is all around us. Blessing us. Protecting us. Loving us. A lot of times we, 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 we don't even realize it. But then all of a sudden you see. All of a sudden you see. And John describes that as becoming children of God. As beginning to live the life and see life the way God designed it from the very beginning of creation. Knowing that even when he would give himself to creation in the form of this vulnerable child and walk alongside of the, that many of us would, would decide we'd rather not see it that way. But, but he still gives that to us. Some of us, we go through life and we make our relationships about, in essence, what we might call projects. That's a kind way to say it. What you might also call it is manipulation. Now, we're nice to people because we're polite. We were, we were raised with manners. Uh, but basically, the way we relate to people, we're trying to get something out of them. We know what we want to get out of people. And, and that's what, what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it in a polite enough manner that other people don't say bad stuff about us. Right? Right? Uh, and some of us, we, we go through life and there are certain things we want and we're just going to move heaven and earth to, to get those, those things that we want. And w w when we do get them, it's because we deserved them, because we worked so hard for them, because uh, we found a way to make it happen. Like those Christmas lights that are up on my house again this year. I figured, right? Figured. Deserved to have those up. All right? And we, we go through life like that. And then there's Jesus. And then we read the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And we say, this is different. We, we, haven't, we haven't heard this anywhere else. We, we heard all about winning. And this guy comes and says, uh, hey, you're blessed uh, not if you save your life, but if you lose it for my sake. Hey, I came not to be served, but to serve, and you should do the same. Hey, if you want to be first, you better start putting yourself last because that's, that's how it really works. And then we start hearing that. And we start thinking, could this possibly be true? And some of us never fully answer that question. And others of us begin looking deeper into who is this man. And not only do we begin looking into who is he, but we begin to, to hear him claim that he can forgive sins. And we begin to talk to him. And we begin to tell him what we need, that, what we want to be different in our lives, and, and how we, we need help. And we experience something. And we, we come to realize, uh, because we believe he's there for us, that every good thing in our life is a gift. Now, yes, you can forfeit gifts. You can do things in your life that will cause you to forfeit the gifts of God, but that doesn't mean you earned any of that. It's a gift, right? And we come to see that this whole life is a gift and that this baby in a manger was a gift and this Savior on a cross was a gift. And we begin to say, God, 
how can I spend my life being a gift for others as you've been a gift for me? And every, everything begins to change. Everything becomes different. We realize the water we're swimming in. We realize whose world this is, who holds the world in his hands, and who placed his only son in our world so that we might know that, so that we might not forget Here's the last thing I want you to know today about what it means for Jesus to to be the light of the world. Light, by definition, defeats darkness. That's the definition of light. Light is that which dispels darkness. That's that's what light does. Uh, Once you have light, you can't have darkness anymore. They don't go together. Think about the stars you see in the sky. Just walk outside with your naked eye. You can see hundreds, if not thousands of stars. Many of those stars that you're seeing are well more than a million light years away. Imagine for a moment. Now, a lot more than that, but just imagine a million light years. Think for a moment if you could travel the speed of light. Think about how fast that is. And then think about traveling that far for a million years. For a million years, you are going that fast. Now think about those stars you see in the sky, the light that's coming from them. It is traveling for a million years at that speed. And there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing between you and those stars except utter, complete darkness. And the darkness still loses. There's a million light years of darkness There's a little bit of light and the darkness loses because that's what light does. When light shows up, darkness loses. When Jesus Christ, the light of the world shows up, darkness loses. When followers of Christ who've become children of the light show up in the world, darkness loses. Good wins and darkness loses. It's a famous story out of the anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa. Some of you may have heard. Uh, for some of you, you, you might not be familiar with, with the struggle. Uh, it happened back in uh, 70s, 80s in, in South Africa. They had this system called apartheid. And it was forced racial segregation. But, but not just that, uh, it enforced a Uh, not separate but equal, but a caste system, Uh, a system uh, where the darker your skin was, the poorer you were, and a lot of the privileges of society weren't available to you. And so uh, there was a lot of talk that, hey, this, this shouldn't be, but it was a system that was violently enforced by the government and by the military police. And so groups of Christians in that country began coming together black and white they began worshiping together and they began saying we can't stand for this this can't be one of the leaders of that group was archbishop desmond tutu uh, of the anglican church and one day they were having a a worship service uh, celebrating uh, how god creates us all equal and talk about how that was their vision for their country and they were in in a, a massive Uh, cathedral there and it was full and they were celebrating and as they were celebrating military police walked in surrounded the congregation with automatic rifles people didn't know what to do 
there had been reports of people being killed at, at gatherings like this before. They thought at the very least Bishop Tutu was, was going to be arrested as soon as he came out of the pulpit or maybe he was going to be pulled out of the pulpit. But Bishop Tutu did something the people weren't expecting. He uh, looked at the police and he said, friends, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you've joined us today because we're here celebrating Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And we're here celebrating uh, that his goodness always wins. So I want to extend you an invitation today to come join the winning side. You've been on the losing side. I know it looks like you have all the power and all the resources, but you're on the losing side and this is the winning side and we'd like you to come join us. Well, the police like didn't know what to do. And instead of glaring at the police, the whole congregation stands up and starts clapping and is smiling at them and inviting them to come in and sit next to them. And they just walk off. They just walked out. The crowd was so amazed at what happened that they spilled out into the streets. Uh, and because the, the police had, had cleared out, the townspeople uh, were excited about what, what they saw. And they all came out and they had this in, incredible uh, kind of celebration or protest that would never have been allowed at that time. Because somebody pointed out that light wins. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes you get to places in life where it doesn't feel like light wins. You need to know that light wins. Sometimes you get to places in life, you can't even feel light at all. Like at the bottom of the ocean. But it still wins. I remember when I was a kid, I got to go on a, an airplane ride one time. Most amazing thing in the world. When I was a kid during the summertime, you know what I hated? Rain. You know why? Because you couldn't play outside. So I think we were coming back from a family wedding. And we get on an airplane, you know, I'd hardly ever been on an airplane before. And they had, uh, you know, it was raining. And I was hoping so badly that it would be sunny. So when we got home, I could, could go play with my friends. Well, th the most amazing thing happens. We get up in the air and it's sunny. I didn't even think to look down and see there were clouds below us, right? I was just, I was like, there's not a cloud in the sky. This is going to be great. It's going to be sunny when I get home. I'm going to be able to go outside and play with my friends. Then we came back down. It's raining again. Didn't get to go outside that day. But I learned something as a kid that's been important for me as an adult. That light's still shining. It's still sh There's still not a cloud in the sky if you get up high enough, right? Sometimes you just can't see it. Sometimes you just can't see it. I got, I got to reconnect recently with a mentor of mine. And uh, I remember talking to him when, when I was a young man, but before I had a wife and before I had children. And he was at a stage in his life where uh, a few years before, uh, he had two children and, and he lost his adult son. Uh, his adult son struggled with, with mental illness uh, and ultimately harmed himself in a way that, that they weren't able to, to rescue him from. And he told me, he said, he said, one day you may know what happens when you have your first child. He said, all your children are equally precious, but something fundamentally changes within you when you have your first child. Because when you observed that child, you didn't know there could be a creature that you could care about in that way. And you didn't know there could be someone that you'd be willing to sacrifice for and give anything in the world for like that. And you didn't know how proud you could be of someone until, until you've, you've had a child. 
And he said, this was my only son. This was my oldest child. We knew he was struggling. We got help. We did everything we could and we thought we were winning until we found out we weren't. And he said, when it happened, he said, I didn't know you could hurt like that. He said, I just didn't know you could physically hurt like I hurt when that happened. He, he said, I, I can't tell you the darkness. I can't tell you the pain. He goes, but here's what I can tell you. When you're at that point where you're hurting like you didn't know you could hurt, where you're in darkness deeper than you thought existed, there's still light. You just need to know that. There's still light and there's still goodness down there because Jesus is down there, because he found me down there. there there's still light. Light, by definition, defeats the darkness. That's what happens. So many times in this world, we look at life and things just seem to, to not be going right. They seem to be trending in the wrong direction. Do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel that way in stuff that goes on in relationships as you, you read, read the news and you begin to think, oh, is good really going to win? Is it really going to work out? Can, can this really happen? And we don't often see the water in which we swim, the G Jesus who's, who's all around us. I think about this family, these aunts, came into a thrift store. They wanted to provide Christmas uh, for their niece and nephew. They did. They had $147, $147. And they needed these kids to have clothes they'd be proud to wear. They needed these kids to have, have new stuff they could wear around others that they wouldn't be looked at uh, funny. And not just that, but they needed these kids to have a couple nice toys. Uh, they needed these kids to, to have some things they were excited about and some things they could tell their friends about who got all kinds of nice stuff. And they had $147. I don't know if you've been to Target recently. $147 just doesn't go where it used to go. And they came into the thrift store and a whole team of people surrounded them and said, we're going to make this happen. And you know the most amazing thing? No matter how much they added that, uh, that they needed for those kids, when we rung it up, it came to 147. Because we figured out that whatever percent discount it took to get it to 147, that was the percent discount that we had a special offer on for that day. Right? That was what it was going to be. Because good wins. Good, good wins. And the question is, are we walking through our life believing that? Because... What we're told is that's how this world was created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came in through being, into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. And then not only that, but He came into the world. And He came into the world to prove this to us, not by uh, parting the clouds and coming down in a big chariot, but by saying what, I've, what I'm going to teach about putting yourself last. Uh, what I'm going to teach about coming to serve, I'm going to embody that. So I'm going to come born as a humble baby uh, to a peasant family, uh, placed in a manger in a feeding trough as my crib. That's, that's how I'm going to come to you. Uh, and a lot of people still look at that and they look at his teachings. And let's be honest, some of these people I'm talking about, it's us. 
Like, like we, we like the songs, but when it really comes down to how we live, what we really wonder, Jesus, does your way of life really work? And there were a lot of people like that back then. He came into the world that came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for not coming in chariots, but coming in a manger. We thank you for making your home not in a palace, but in a stable. We thank you for demanding not just our allegiance, but for calling forth our love. Oh Lord, we look at your son and we see grace and we see truth. The grace needed to forgive us, the truth to show us life as it really is, not as we have imagined it to be, for we would never imagine it to be uh, the gift of unconditional love that you have given us. As you have loved us, teach us to love one another. As you have forgiven us, teach us to forgive one another. As you have served us, teach us to serve one another so that we might walk by the light of the world given to us through Jesus Christ and that we might know what it is to be children of God, children of light in this world that you so love. We pray these things in your name and we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.